It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Jersey for you this morning to announce a very important and very beautiful, I think, development for our freedom and our freedom of speech. And that goes to all Americans. Today, in conjunction with the America First Policy Institute, I'm filing as the lead class representative a major class action lawsuit against the big tech giants, including Facebook, Google, and Twitter as well as their CEOs, Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, and Jack Dorsey. Three real nice guys. We're asking the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida to order an immediate halt to social media companies' illegal, shameful censorship of the American people, and that's exactly what they are doing. We're demanding an end to the shadow banning, a stop to the silencing, and a stop to the blacklisting, banishing, and canceling that you know so well. Our case will prove this censorship is unlawful, it's unconstitutional, and it's completely un-American. We all know that. We all know that very, very well. Our filing also seeks injunctive relief to allow prompt restitution and really restoration. And you can name about 20 other things, and it has to be prompt because it's destroying our country. Of my accounts, in addition, we are asking the court to impose punitive damages on these social media giants. We're going to hold big tech very accountable. This is the first of Numerous other lawsuits, I assume, that would follow, but this is the lead, and I think it's going to be a very, very important game-changer for our country. It will be a pivotal battle in the defense of the First Amendment, and in the end, I am confident that we will achieve a historic victory for American freedom, and at the same time, freedom of speech. Yeah, that was President Trump, our champion, really, honestly. Uh, you know, during the last several months, of course, President Trump has been taken off the platforms. That's why you haven't heard from him. Uh, they banned him till 2023 on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, they can't, you know, you cannot hear that there might have been election problems and you cannot hear that there might be problems with COVID. You are not able, we're not able to until, I'm not even sure what's happening now, uh, even speculate that that virus might have come out of the Wuhan lab. It might have been man-made. You couldn't say that on social media. It is amazing what they have done. Their power continues to grow, and this is an, an important step. But let me just tell you, Congress is doing nothing. 
Uh, Republicans are all locked up on this. I, I, I was planning on doing an interview with you uh, for you this week about this, but let me just say that uh, Republicans are traditionally have been in the last, you know, since the Nixon years, uh, maybe, bef- well, probably before that, probably back to the Rockefeller years, uh, big government, big business. Um, there's not, not big government, but big business, sorry. Big business, there's nothing wrong with having big businesses, nothing wrong with being wealthy, making money. I, I have to make that very clear. I'm for big business too. Uh, but sometimes things go off the rails, just like unions are supposed to uh, represent the people, and they're off the rails. And I'll illustrate that in just a second with the American Family Federation of Teachers. Uh, but uh, so the Republicans uh, have this knee-jerk response to antitrust legislation, uh, to government breaking up big corporations, and for good reason that they, they do. And so um, I, I personally think that it's become a blindness for them, kind of like free trade was a blindness. Free trade was like the mantra of a Republican conservative businessman. It was like the holy grail. Everything had to be free trade, but free trade ended up doing a t- irreparable damage to our country in terms of shutting down manufacturing, sending everything overseas. And they kept telling us, you know, that, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats, uh, that because uh, China would do better, we would do better. But that's not true. We, we lost our manufacturing and uh, we've gutted our economy. So I really kind of think the antitrust hesitation that's keeping them from bringing uh, big tech to accountability is hurting us terribly. That's my personal opinion. It's very controversial in Republican circles, but we will address that later. Meanwhile, no one then, no one, hardly anyone on Capitol Hill is bringing uh, uh, social media companies to account, but President Trump stepped forward. As you heard yesterday, he's launched a big class action lawsuit, and he's naming names. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Jack Dorsey of Twitter, Sundar Punchai of uh, Google, and uh, they will be uh, sued. And so uh, we'll see. Um, you know, he talked about um, in conjunction with America's first America First Policy Institute. Last week, I interviewed the first. Um, this is a new institute to me, and uh, it has a lot of former Trump officials in it. And I um, interviewed one of them last week, so I'm sure that'll be the beginning of a relationship with that organization because they're standing behind him on this. And so Brent Brozell kind of put this in perspective. Brent Brozell from Media Research Center, and Brent runs the uh, Free Speech Coalition, which is what the American Family Association is part of. Uh, And this is what Brent said. Donald Trump may be out of office, but he's doing more to fight big tech than most people in Washington. And boy, he's right about that. He is right about that. God bless President Trump. And we'll see what comes from that. Well, all right, I talked about unions, didn't I? I talked about how unions, uh, um, Democrats, you know, were all about unions when my parents were, uh, before I was born, they were Democrats. And uh, the unions were kind of the savior of the poor people. They were the defender against corrupt big business who had become, you see, it, these things in themselves are not bad. It's the greed and corruption that sets in that caused them to go bad. And with unions... Uh, it's the same thing, uh, only I think it's like thuggery, uh, graft, taking you know people's money out of their checks and then using them for a union official to live high and not protect the people. It's become a racket, and it has become uh, a way in which uh, certainly communists, it, dating back to Mao Zedong in China, uh, worked to uh, set people against each other through unions. So they have uh, been become corrupt as well, and I'll give you a, a modern-day example. This is uh, Nicole Wallace, and she's interviewing 
um, let's see, she's interviewing Randy Weingarten, who is the president of the American Federation for Teachers. It's not as big as the NEA, but they are a same on the same page philosophically. And um, they were talking about critical race theory. Just listen to, uh, you know, Adolf Hitler could not have had a better propagandist than Randy Weingarten. Listen to what she says in response to Nicole Wallace. Let's listen. I was going to read your tweet because it is the most important fact here to inject into the debate. And you tweeted this critical race theory is not taught in K through 12 schools. The rights culture warriors are labeling any discussion of race, racism or discrimination as such to try to make it toxic. We've talked about teachers getting bullied. We've talked about the chaos. What about the kids? I mean, I, I you know, I, I think it's a very scary prospect. We look to our the next generation to sort of evolve in a way that gets us out of the current morass. The, the most frightening thing to me about the culture war moving into the space is the damage it could do to our kids. It's going to do huge damage to our kids because there's going to be places where teachers are going to have the stamina, the courage to actually teach the Civil War or to teach January 6th. And there's going to be a whole bunch of places where they're not. And then kids are going to have a huge hole in their history about and 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 people are going to be afraid to actually really push kids to think kids to 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 be able to survive in this world to be able to thrive in this world you need to be able to think you need to be able to hold different things in your heart and in your head at the same time and if we don't help kids develop those muscles of being able to think and being able to see diversity as a strength not a weakness it is going to hurt kids. And frankly, this is what I loved about what I've seen this week. There's the Axios just had a poll of college students, including Republican college students who understand overwhelmingly that is important to confront our history and to understand it. We will be stronger if we do that. Okay, so Randy, where were you raised? You know, I was talking to my son yesterday about this. Uh, of course, she's very persuasive because she's a great propagandist. She's saying um, uh, there'll be places in the country where teachers will actually be able to teach the Civil War in January 6th as though the Civil War has never been taught before by teachers. You know, that was the thing that made me fall in love with history. I had the best uh, Civil War instructor when I was 12 years old, Mr. Bowen. Uh, he led us through every battle. I remember him banging my desk with his stick I want it to be a dramatic moment in the story. <laughs> I was all in, man. I loved those stories about the Civil War. We did learn about it. I guess maybe Randy didn't have a teacher like Mr. Bowen. Uh, and uh, January 6th, of course, but wh what is she talking about teaching them? And kids that need to be able to think, well, yes, they do. And that is the point. Uh, they don't need to be propagandized into your world and your particular viewpoint and, um, and shut down and silenced and shamed if they don't agree with you. And that's what's happening. It's just amazing to me. You know, uh, he, she also talks about diversity being a strength and not a weakness. I was talking to Jeremy yesterday, my son, uh, and I was saying, saying to him, you know, long before they ever thought of that word, uh, it, the diversity, I guess, has been a word for a long time. Yes, I know it has been, but not the way it means, not diversity. Now, we love diversity at our house. We had people from all all kinds of places in our home all the time, with the travels, uh, Jeremy met tons of people from all over and all different colors, and uh, we, we really did enjoy that. We didn't really need critical race theory. It wasn't critical race theory that, uh, 
you know, had us like apologize to all our various uh, guests of different backgrounds for being white. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, we worship in a church that was diverse, a Moody Church in Chicago. So um, they, they think they act as though they thought of all this, but they didn't. It was God that thought of it, God who created uh, the varieties of uh, flowers and trees and people and uh, created beauty and all of that. So uh, give it up, uh, Randy, and we don't need your help to your particular evil, wicked spin on it. And just to, uh, to, to drive that home, Ian Rice, uh, I have to tell you, he's a black parent. <clears throat> so he testified before the school board. You may have heard this clip. If you haven't, you need to. And uh, his wife is white, I think, yes. And so Ian got up to testify before this particular school board, and this is what he had to say. My name is Ian Rice. I've got two children here in the Caledonia School District. Um, it's very apparent here by all of the parents that have spoken that this board and the school district is failing. Um, more importantly, I came here to talk about critical race theory. This theory was never meant to be brought into grade schools, high schools, at all. It's actually taught in the collegiate atmosphere, and more importantly, the legal portion of the collegiate atmosphere to see different laws through the lens of race from an ethics and, 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 and an ethical standpoint, right? Not for grade schools and high schoolers. The problem with bringing it to high school and grade school level is that we don't have the educators to properly teach these kids. Instead, they're using it as their own agenda to indoctrinate the kids to hate each other. And whether you believe that to be true or not, the reality is that's what's happening. Critical race theory is teaching that white people are bad. That's not true. That would teach my daughter that her mother is evil. You already have an educator within your staff that has pulled my daughter aside and said, well, you're a minority, so you know better than to engage in certain things. Wow. Wow. When I was brought to the school's attention, nothing happened to the educator. Instead, my daughter was brought in, and she was ridiculed. So my question is now, with critical race theory being brought in, what is your criteria to educate the educators? And who are you to educate my children, or any of our children, in life issues? That's our job. Your job is to teach them math and science. Our job is to teach them about life. I believe racial issues and tensions across the US are nowhere near what they used to be decades ago. Do we have a long way to go? Sure. Do we still have individuals out there that need to be taught? Absolutely. But I believe the people here don't look at me as a black man. They look at me as a man standing in front of you addressing the issue that we all are very passionate about. Yeah, so Ian Rice, wow, wasn't it? That's amazing. And by the way, Randy Weingartner said in that um, clip that, you know, critical race theory was not taught in schools. Of course, we talked to you yesterday about how the National Education Association has scrubbed all the meeting notes from their last meeting of last week, uh, where they are implementing critical race theory into everything. And yesterday, I read that the American Federation of Teachers, which is Randy's organization, is hosting a biannual conference. And one of their speakers is Ibram Kendi, the author of uh, the book that's fueling uh, critical race theory called, like, How to Be an Anti-Racist and an Anti-Racist Baby. So he's going to be their featured guest at their upcoming meeting. But, hey, listen, they're not about critical race theory. They, you're just you're just imagining this. Uh, you're just imagining this. Oh, it's an unbelievable. All right, January 6th, when we come back, Sandy Rios in the morning. 
Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman with the American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, we're having a retreat this fall. In fact, October 3rd through the 6th, we're going to be gathering at the Purcell Farms, just about 45 minutes southeast of Birmingham, Alabama. It's in the mountains, and we're going to have a wonderful time, and we'd love for you to join us. Our speakers will be Sandy Rios, Abe Hamilton, Ray Pritchard, Bert Harper. I'm going to be there along with a lot of the AFA and AFR team. So it's going to be a wonderful time of refreshment and fellowship. And we're just going to have a lot of fun. There's so many great things to do there on the campus of the Purcell Farm. So if you'd like to join us for this very special retreat, just go to afaretreat.net. afaretreat.net. We've only got a few rooms left, in fact. afaretreat.net. And we hope to see you there this fall. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stearns with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Former President Trump declared war on social media, announcing a lawsuit against Facebook and Twitter. Trump will serve as the lead plaintiff in the class action lawsuit. The president was suspended from Facebook and Twitter indefinitely after the events that took place at the U.S. Capitol in January. The truth is, Facebook and Twitter have been hostile to conservatives, and especially Trump supporters, for years. Both social media platforms have become enemies of free speech. Facebook and Twitter have every right to banish people from their platforms. But if they do that, they do not have the right to special government protections. When the Republicans take control of Congress, they should immediately strip Facebook, Google, YouTube of any special protections they might have. Make it a level playing field. But to be honest, if Christians and conservatives are no longer welcome on Facebook, I'm not sure that's a community I want to be a part of. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. White Christian country who just say that openly and congressmen people, they're not even embarrassed to be around them. What in the world is going on? Well, I absolutely agree with you, Joy, that I think it's much worse than it was on January 6th. It's much worse than it was in November. It's much worse after January 6th. And part of the problem is, is because because there's been no accountability, it's given permission 
to do more of this. And not only is it given permission to just average people out there who might do crazy things, it's allowed the Republicans just to continue this big lie that they've pushed across. I was yesterday, I was in Kentucky. I decided to go to Lincoln's birthplace and his boyhood home. And I was reflecting about it because one of the things Lincoln said was America will never be destroyed from outside. America will destroy itself. And I think that's what I fear about right now. And one of the things, if you think about this, what would happen if after 9-11, we had done nothing? We had done nothing. Right. Think about that. If we had done nothing after 9-11. And to me, though there was less loss of life on January 6th, January 6th was worse than 9-11 because it's continued to rip our country apart and give permission for people to pursue autocratic means. And so I think we're at a much worse place than we've been. And as I've said, I think to you before, I think we're in the most perilous point in time since 1861 in the advent of the Civil War. I do, too. I do, too. And it, it frightens me. You know what scares me the most, Matthew, is that I'm not sure that most Democrats, at least elected Democrats in Washington, agree with us or as afraid as we are. Uh, you know, I, I said yesterday, talking with Malcolm Nance uh, and Susan Del Percio, who's a Republican strategist, that if you break down what this looks like to me, it looks directly like fascism. It looks like Mussolini's Italy. He, the, the brown shirts, the, the, the violence against our capital, the attempts to overthrow the government, the centering of white citizens as having to be the top citizens or else the country dies. And to see a Republican Party, either because of cowardice or because they agree with it, say, we're going to do that. We're going to go with that. If that's what it takes for us to have power, then fine, we'll take fascism. I don't know what you do with a country where one political party decides that, and you've only really got two. Well, I, the only thing you can do is rid the country of that political party. So that was MSNBC, and that was Joy Reid. So it's not too much of a mis uh, surprise what she just said, but the person she was interviewing was Matthew Dowd, Matthew is the former chief strategist for the George W. Bush re-election campaign. And he thinks that January 6th was worse than 9-11, uh, that we must pursue this retribution, and if we do nothing, uh, we what they, the world is going to end, it sounded like it to me. I, I just, uh, from all accounts, uh, the Justice Department is doing plenty to punish people that were there on January the 6th. We talk about it almost Every day. Well, someone is joining me this morning that's finally doing something to me that's so refreshing. His name is Matt, Matt Brainerd, and Matt is the uh, former director of data and strategy for the Trump campaign. Uh, he drafted and executed the strategy of targeting low, propen low propensity voters who had a high affinity for President Trump. He's president of Brainerd Group, a political and digital strategy, strategy firm, and I could go on and on. But I'm going to just say he has a new entity, which is called um, uh, Look Ahead America. And uh, under that moniker, one of the things that they're doing is planning a rally for these prisoners who are being held in the D.C. jail. And he joins us this morning. Matt, thanks for joining me. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're with me, Matt. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit before we get into this rally. This is not the first time. As I, I did not know, you, you have rallied before for them in June. Is that right? Well, that's correct. Actually, our actions on behalf of these individuals began back at the end of January when we sent a letter to the Department of Justice and the FBI demanding that charges be dropped against these, the majority of the people who have been targeted who committed no violent acts, uh, did not destroy any property, did not uh, harm anybody else or break any windows or anything like that. Um, that's the majority of the people whom the Department of Justice and FBI have been targeting. And if you look back at precedent, 
we can see repeatedly over the last couple of years, other individuals on the progressive left committed the exact same actions, mostly surrounding the confirmation of Supreme Court justices, where they sought to interfere with the uh, with the appointment and replacement of Supreme Court justices by uh, pushing their way into the Senate, by breaking into Senate office buildings. We even had a case where uh, AOC led her protesters right into the Speaker's office. So we've seen this happen before, and typically protesters are handled with very gentle touches. Uh, small fines being processed immediately and released. Um, and, you know, you may recall during the Trump inauguration, there were hundreds of individuals as part of Antifa who were charged with real violence, attacking police, attacking uh, property, destroying police cars, etc. Um, over 200 of them were uh, charged with real violence, but had all charges dropped. So we asked them to drop all charges against nonviolent offenders. Fast forward to June 19th, we led a rally right in front of the Department of Justice around the corner from the FBI to protest these individuals' treatment. Even more of them at this point have been rounded up, had their lives turned upside down, uh, been forced into bankruptcy to pay for attorneys, gotten fired from their jobs. And uh, uh, several, at the point at that time, we believed about three to four dozen individuals were being held in solitary confinement without the opportunity for bail and some without even facing charges on the basis of lies that prosecutors have told judges to be able to keep them in those prisons. And then you have the situation with Ashley Babbitt, which we believe deserves a full investigation. So we held that protest. And now, again, we're returning to Washington, D.C., not this Saturday, but next Saturday, July 17th. We're going to protest at the prison, the D.C. Correctional Facility, where these individuals are being held uh, to raise our voices to make sure they know we haven't forgotten them. Yes. Well, let's let's get um, I think that's a great idea, Matt. I've been I just I can't say it enough. I just think it's a great idea. So we're talking July 17th at noon. And that is on um, 1901 D Street, southeast Washington. Now, uh, help us to understand people are listening from Virginia and other places. If they want to come, um, what what do they need to remember? Because we know that we're under tremendous scrutiny. So how, what should That's they remember correct. do and not do? We want to make it as easy as, people to, easy as possible for folks to attend. Um, so the information is at lookaheadamerica.org slash rally. We're going to be busing people in at no cost from a safe location in northern Virginia where they can drive and park. And then we're going to bus them in to that location. So we're, I'm going to be at the, uh, at the Spring Hill Metro on the Silver Line. Uh, at uh, the Walmart, where there's a big parking garage. Uh, our buses are going to bring people in. We're asking that they do not bring any valuables, any jewelry, anything like that. Just ID, a little bit of cash, cell phone, and uh, and nothing else. And just and bus in with us, and then we'll bus them back out afterwards. Right. Um, so the rally should be maybe an hour to an hour and a half. And we'll, the buses will be leaving at 11 a.m. But all this information, and they need to RSVP so we have enough buses. Sure. Uh, Look at America.org slash rally. Okay. Um, all right. People, uh, listen, uh, those of you listening, make sure you write this down because I we will put it on our Facebook, but you know there, you have no assurance that you'll be able to see it. And so, um, Matt, uh, re- repeat that, uh, please. Lookaheadamerica.org. Is yeah, that right? Lookaheadamerica.org slash, okay. yes, slash rally is where we are. We have all of our information and the RSVP form. So people can let us know that they're coming, and we can keep them up to date on the latest regarding this rally. 
All right. Now, um, once you get there, how would you describe the kind of protest that you have in mind? Well, you know, we, believe it or not, and, and it may not seem like this to m- many people, but if you think about it, what this is, is the foremost civil rights battle of our time. These people are being not prosecuted, but persecuted, not for what they've done, but for what they believe. And there is nothing less American than that. So as with our previous protests, we're going to have some speakers, we're going to sing patriotic songs, and we're going to witness the great injustice that these people are suffering. We expect there to be media covering it. Uh, we expect to have, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a very, uh, I would say, joyful and noisy protest right at the uh-huh. prison where these individuals are being held. Yeah. Well, I'm, I love it. And um, let me just say that we, uh, people that listen to me all the time know these things, but I'm going to repeat in case there are new listeners. Julie Kelly has been writing, uh, covering this very faithfully, and we've been faithfully resp- uh, you know, reporting her uh, different articles about the different people and what's happening to them. Also, Revolver Media has been doing some uh, great reporting on this, and there are other outlets now that are waking up and beginning to write, for which I'm very grateful and I want to get personal here because we have, uh, I think I indicated to you, Matt, that I know that I have a lot of listeners who were there. Uh, we've talked about this a great deal. I want to point out one, um, Marie's been a listener for a long time, and her son Daniel has been arrested. Uh, he is a citizen journalist. Uh, she said um, he was there to document the rallies. Uh, he arrived at the U.S. Capitol for a permitted rally that had been planned, and when he got there, he found tens of thousands of patriots streaming up the steps. When he got to the top, he followed a small group through an open door in the building. He was only in there for a few minutes before leaving, but he was apprehended, uh, and uh, he's been slandered in the press. His life has been endangered. The FBI has put myths truth in their report. I'm synthesizing this a lot. But I just want to illustrate that one of my listeners' sons is there, and I know there are numbers of others also. Also, Matt, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, the infamous uh, QAnon shaman, who was, you know, an odd dude, no question about it. We saw him in the horns and the fur hat and the tattoos, shirtless in January. But um, the judge has now denied releasing him from jail pending trial, even though his attorney— he really did not. He really did nothing violent. We saw videos of it. He he went into the chamber. He's goofy. He's just goofy. And well, he, he, he committed no. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything violent. He didn't do no. anything the leftist protesters have been doing for years now. And in fact, um, you know, we're in in the, the run up to this. We're actually holding a, a rally in Phoenix on Wednesday, and his mother is going to speak to us. No kidding and about the the great injustice that he has suffered. So yeah, and we're you know we look. I know that a lot of people may not be able to make it to the D.C. rally, but there's two other things they can do to help. One okay. is that in many states we will be announcing a satellite rally that okay. will happen on that day or before that day. And you know, buses are expensive. We had to pay for security for the permit for insurance. So if, if somebody wants to make a contribution to help us with this with our mission, they can do so. Lookaheadamerica.org/donate. If you're not able to attend. Yeah, well, I actually did that yesterday. Just want to say, I'm happy to help you. And uh, there's a, when's the rally in Phoenix? Because we have listeners all over the country. Sure, the rally on in Phoenix is in Scottsdale on uh, this coming Wednesday. It's from six to seven p.m. at uh, Scottsdale Studios. Um, we'll be rolling announcements of, uh, about it out directly on our website on that rally page. It's also we're okay. going to list the satellite rallies that people can okay. attend. 
Okay. Let me go back to Jacob uh, Chonsley just for a second because the, the story was yesterday that his attorney told the judge that he has, I'll read his words, the pre-existing mental vulnerabilities of the defendant were evident and patent at the time of his shirtless presentation on January 6th in the cold of Washington. The acuity of the vulnerable defendant has waned with each passing day of solitary confinement. The effects of same, like Ivy, have slept, crept, and now leapt. In other words, they're begging They're begging to let him out. And, and also the, the attorney compared Chonsley's solitary confinement uh, akin to punishments meted out by the communist Khmer Rouge that terrorized Cambodia in the late 1970s, as well as the Soviet Union's methods of punishment against Russian anti-communist writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, he goes on to say, so he pleads with the judge to let him out because uh, he's not doing well mentally and uh, he's not going to be harming anyone, but the judge refused. And here's the thing, uh, Matt, I, I've been reading, and I know you have too, you're following this just more, probably more even than I am, uh, that I was just reading last week that one of the guys reported uh, in his pre, one of the hearings that he had that he, they, their, their water is so filthy that he's having to strain it through his socks. They can't even drink the water. We've heard of beatings, that one guy being injured, the, the socket of his eye. Uh, solitary confinement, 20, 20, 22 out of 24 hours a day. I, it's just uh, assignment of reading to, to change their thinking. And then essays uh, to illustrate that they've changed their mind about the uh, election, about other things. I, it really, this is stunning. This is just stunning stuff. And we have to do something, and that's why I'm wanting to give you as, all the air cover I can uh, for, uh, for this rally, which is July the 17th at noon. And um, again, Matt is saying that if you come to Spring Hill Silverline Metro, at 11 o'clock on that day, they'll take buses and bring you in and then take you back, and that's how that's going to work. Um, and you can go to lookaheadamerica.org slash rally uh, to, uh, to get more information and also to help financially. Uh, and you can imagine this costs money, and it's hard. Listen, I've been trying to get people to organize stuff like this, Matt, and I'm so grateful to you for doing that. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> I chatted up your time. Well, but thank Matt, you for having me on. Hey, Matt, uh, you're going to be in Dallas, and I'm leaving for Dallas as soon as I finish this morning for CPAC. So come by and see me on Radio Row, okay? I absolutely will. Yeah, yeah. Okay, God bless you, Matt, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you real soon. All right, well, this is uh, Sandy Rios. We're not done with this discussion. We're also going to open the phone lines. The phone number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We'll talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hello, I'm Gary Roby, host of Call to Worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a Call to Worship right here on American Family Radio. 
Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth is stumbled in the street and uprightness cannot enter. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. Only two Scotish justices believe that only a woman can be a woman. In 2016, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals forced the Gloucester County School Board to comply with former President Obama's transgender bathroom mandate, allowing a girl to use the boys' restroom and locker room facilities in the Grimm versus Gloucester County School Board case. The school board appealed to SCOTUS, yet SCOTUS announced their refusal to hear the case, thus leaving the Fourth Circuit opinion in place. Only Justices Thomas and Alito believe the Supreme Court should hear the appeal. Only two. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Emmy was in a bad relationship when she found out she was pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to get an abortion, which she seriously considered. I knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Emmy went to a preborn center in need of guidance. They honestly were able to put every fear at ease and let me know that it was going to be okay. Because of them, he's here. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Preborn clinics introduce moms in crisis to their babies through ultrasound while providing hope, love, and the gospel in action. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Yesterday, Donald Trump reasserted the sort of robust national leadership that was the hallmark of his presidency and that has been sorely lacking of late. He is the lead class representative in a massive class action lawsuit against big tech for suppressing his free speech and that of untold others. The suit exposes an obvious but infrequently recognized fact. Social media platforms like Facebook, Google, and Twitter have become abusively powerful conglomerates thanks to their cozy relationship with government. Specifically, they benefit hugely from protection against litigation provided by Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Mr. Trump's suit is also expected to demonstrate that the government has conspired with big tech to do something it cannot do, thanks to the First Amendment, namely silence unwelcome critics, even the President of the United States. Godspeed, Donald Trump. Your fight is America's fight. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios with you again. And by the way, and I did mention this, but I'll say again, I'm leaving for CPAC Dallas in just a few minutes, and we'll have some great guests. I'll be coming to you live tomorrow morning from there. 
uh, be talking to Matchlap and also to um, yes from Alabama, uh, Mo Brooks, Congressman Mo Brooks from Alabama in the morning, and then uh, Gordon Chang and be talking to Scott Walker, the governor, uh, former governor of um, Wisconsin, and all kinds of people. So it's going to be a, it's going to be good, and I think you'll enjoy it. So be sure and stay tuned, and hopefully. Hopefully my voice will be 100%. I keep hoping every day. Uh, so um, I saw this headline this morning, White House, Biden would certainly support states reimposing COVID-19 restrictions, which just gave me shivers. I hate to think, can you imagine if states suddenly started, you know, putting people back in the box and making them wear masks and social distance? Does that sound... Horrific. That's kind of the way I feel about getting on a plane this morning. It's like, I dread it. I really do. All right. I dread that part of it. All right, let's go to the phones. Our phone number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. Claire from Mississippi. Good morning, Claire. Uh, Yes, Andy. Um, I just have a question. Um, What can we do uh, to get our senators and representatives to help these people in Washington uh, last week, I called our senator and asked a question. I said, I have two questions. Is it true that people are being held in Washington without uh, receiving due process according <clears throat> concerning the January 6th um, protest? And if so, what are you doing to um, help them? And the gentleman on the phone who took my phone call, rather than just taking my phone call and um, my answers, he immediately became defensive and said, well, they were arrested because they were committing crimes. And so... I'm going to contact my local <clears throat> senator's office to uh, complain about that young man um, giving his opinion rather than taking my question. But what can I do, uh, what can we do to uh, force our senators and representatives' hands to help these people that you're speaking of this morning? Yeah, well, what you did was very helpful, and you are absolutely right to go around. These young staffers, they get so full of themselves, I can't even tell you. Don't get me started on D.C. staffers and the local offices, too. But also, uh, which senator did you call? Wicker. Okay, so I'm guessing he's doing nothing. All right, so people need to know that. That Senator Roger Wicker in Mississippi is doing nothing in regard to these detainees. And uh, so that needs to go on the record, and we're putting it there right now. I'll tell you who is doing something. I wanted to know because I didn't want to say he hasn't done anything because I haven't heard anything. That's why I was asking, has he done anything? I can tell you with pretty good authority he's doing nothing. Okay. And uh, okay. Ron well, Johnson. I did call Senator Hyde Smith, and she said they took my question, and she took it professionally. And I told her, "Thank you for taking my question professionally." But I haven't heard anything from her either yet. Yeah. Well, that's because she's doing nothing either. Ron Johnson is the one senator who has taken the lead on this, and has stuck his neck way out. He's had hearings. Uh, he's been, you know, he's been on this show several times. Uh, he is the example for all of them. Shame on them. D.C. is uh, a poisonous pit of vipers protecting their own backsides because they're scared to death to defend anyone. doesn't even matter. It, it, if they had committed misdemeanors or whatever they did, and many of them did nothing, they're, they're being charged with like trespassing, just very mild offenses and being sent to D.C. to be incarcerated when they could be in their hometowns. Uh, in jails there, or they could be out on bail, denying them bail. This is due process denied these people. And if these senators can't understand uh, that everyone, uh, Lady Justice is blind, and they deserve a due process no matter what they think about what happened on January 6th, that they're 
their precious little, they were, you know, their heart fluttered on January 6th a little bit when they heard the shouting in the hallways. Uh, cowards. They're just cowards. I don't know what else to say. They are cowards. And so uh, you need to call again, Claire. And But arm yourself. It sounds like you have. Arm yourself with some good information and with details and facts. And I, you know, once again, Julie Kelly is a great source of American greatness. Uh, there are lots of articles there, and you could just pick out a few things to, to bring to their mind. I just, by the way, there, here's an article I could recommend that you might use in making your case to them. This is uh, from uh, Mark Tess, Tapscott. A Department of Justice treats January 6th detainees with double standard. And uh, conservative legal activists are getting involved here to defend them. Tom Fitton is speaking up. God bless Tom Fitton. Uh, and he talks about how the DOJ is applying a double standard compared to the treatment of rioters associated with left-wing groups like Antifa last summer and those 28, 2018 protesting Supreme Court Justice Brett, Brett, Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Uh, also, uh, the American Conservative Union is getting involved. At the, um, so no, that's not right. American, it's not that. It's, uh, it's ACRU. American Constitutional Rights Union is getting involved. So that's a great article. It's called Department of Justice Treats January 6th Detainees with Double Standard, and that's in the Epoch Times, and that's a great uh, source of information for you to use against, against to challenge your senators, your do-nothing senators. And uh, so, Claire, do it. Go forth. That's the, that's the best thing you can do, kiddo. And thank you for calling. Let's go to um, Nelson in Texas. Good morning, Nelson. Yes, good morning, Sandy. I wanted to say I went to D.C. I was in the Capitol, but I went to D.C. I wanted to say in Spanish, nosotros los hispanos tenemos que hablar contra lo que está pasando en nuestro país. Us, people who speak Spanish have to speak against us, what's happening in our country. I was listening to Ms. Lily Tang Williams, and she was talking about CRT, which is another reason, again, why she understands what's happening in our country now. And I wanted to say, I have a BitChute channel, and I talk about I even have a sign that says the Democrats stole the 2020 elections. But again, it's important for all of us, regardless of our nationality, to speak, especially, again, I guess, I guess especially those of us who speak Spanish because of these illegals who are coming to our country. Uh, I definitely agree with the gentleman the, who's putting on the rally, I'm going to try to go to D.C., but I'll be there on our Friday. Uh, Nelson? Yes. Oh, we lost you. <laughs> you dropped oh. out for a second. Yeah, so you're going to try to be there. Nelson, listen, um, God bless you. There are certainly, I think I don't need to say this, but I'll say it just in case. You know, Hispanic Americans are all over the map just like black Americans because people are not the same just because of their color. And so there are so many Hispanic, like with third and fourth and hundreds of years generations, and there are new Hispanic, and they're from all different countries. Uh, but all of us that come here and become Americans are united under these ideals. And these ideals have been completely breached. Uh, our children are going to be sexualized in school and taught false doctrine. Many people from uh, Hispanic countries that have communist rule in South America and Central America will understand why we're fighting. We don't want what happened in those countries to happen in our schools. And so you're right, Nelson, how desperately we need men like you uh, who have come to America 
uh, and speak both languages. We need you to be talking in your language in Spanish uh, to other people to help them un- understand what's happening here and why we're fighting. Um, so, I, did you? Did I interrupt you? Did you get to say everything you wanted to say? I said, here, I burned my ship. I listened to Mickey Addison. She said about burning my ship, so I burned my ship. But I, I stand for va- values, Christian values, conservative yes. values. I yes. appreciate your time, Sandy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nelson. God bless you. All right, let's go to David in Oklahoma. Good morning, David. Yes, thanks for taking my call. My I pleasure. I just want to remark on the... Yes, I, I just want to remark on the... Uh, what the rhetoric, what they were talking about, that uh, 9-11... Um, was like the January the first, and talking about the uh, the brown coats, and yeah. it's, it it made for me that nobody addresses what uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter did, and that uh, our vice president bailed them out. It's no that's more comparative to Brown Church than anything that happened at the uh, the uh, Capitol, and and uh, that's just what I wanted to say. It this uh, it this a playbook out of the Saul Alinsky's uh, Rules for Rebels, where they accuse people of doing what they're actually doing. And yeah, uh, that's no. That's all I had to say. T- totally, totally, David, totally. And uh, again, your voice is important, too, and we just have to get the word out. I think when people are have it explained to them, like you just said, like uh, this whole business of uh, what happened at January 6th, like the Nazi brown shirts, that are like the Italian, uh, uh, whatever they were called, Mussolini's troops, that's ridiculous. Those were government, led by government. The January 6th was the people trying to, and we have every right in this country, uh, to make our voices heard and to protest. It is in our DNA. It is in our Constitution. We are not the brown shirts when we go and say, hey, this is not right, and we demand that our representatives sort things out and straighten themselves up or else they need to leave. That is not brown shirt uh, Nazism, and uh, the confusion is amazing, David, so I appreciate you bringing that uh, to our attention. Let's go to to Patty in Texas. Good morning, Patty. Hey, I just had a question. Well, it's not really a question. It's something for you um, to—it's a point, and I'm going to speak my point, and then I just want you to go ahead and elaborate. I'm going to hang up after. On— uh, January 6th, a lot of the conservatives are being persecuted for things that were done, were not done, just for being present, as you have quoted, a lot of people have quoted. My point being, Pelosi's son-in-law was there, and nothing's being done to him. Why? Not why, but my point is, shouldn't things be done to everybody across the board, and not just singles out to certain people. That's well, of course. So yeah. if you want to elaborate, you can go ahead and elaborate, and I'll yeah. hang up. And, okay. So All right, thank Patty. Thank you very much for taking my call. I appreciate you. You're welcome. I did mention that in passing yesterday, but I didn't really know much about it. It was the first day, first time I'd heard that her son-in-law was there. Um, there's a photo that shows her son-in-law with an Antifa member who breached the Capitol. Now, I don't know who that is. So let me read. This is from AP, and AP is going to be the most friendly uh, telling of this story possible. It says, Dutch-American journalist Michael Vos, who is married to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's daughter, was reporting on the insurrection at the Capitol on Wednesday. While outside the Capitol, Vos was photographed with rioter Jake Angeli, a supporter of President Donald Trump, 
who social media users falsely claim was part of Antifa. Oh, another. Okay, so then they're going to give us the facts, but since I don't trust their facts, all I know is the one thing I guess we can be sure of is that Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law was there. Uh, he was photographing. He was doing, you know, pre-porting. And why? Yeah, why don't we know that? Why isn't that like a headline? Uh, I don't, well, we know why it isn't a headline, don't we? We know why it isn't a headline. So like our friend Marie's son, who's a journalist, you know, was sent in jail and now his reputation's being ruined and he's going to be, have to come up with all kinds of attorney's fees. But Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law, oh, not so much. Because uh, I guess because he's Nancy Pelosi's son-in-law and that is the point after all. Let's go to um, Ken in Georgia. Good morning, Ken. Yes. Um, what's going on is the culmination of 40 or 50 years of socialist, communist indoctrination in our country, particularly in our universities. And I guess my question is, uh, you know, growing up in the 80s, we were afraid of the Soviet Union. We wouldn't even think of of uh, of, of what's going on now. How did How and why did we allow all of this poison to get into our education system and into our into our uh, into the marketplace of ideas and, and primarily into our universities. Why did we, as Americans, I guess back then, 40, 50 years, maybe more earlier than that, uh, uh, allow all this junk to to, to get into uh, into our uh, culture? Yeah, Ken, let me jump in. Um, I think the answer lies in um, how you know the generations. You know, you're taught by your parents certain things, and they may have great passion for something, like against communism, and they teach you and you teach your children, but it wanes. The passion wanes. And so the the left, the communist left, uh, they never wane. Uh, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. And they planned, uh, they believe in the long march through the institutions. So they strategized and got their ways and their uh, methods and their people into all the institutions, including public schools. They went into the public schools, and while we were sort of being casual about it all, we weren't even allowed to say communism for a while or accuse anyone of being a communist. That was a shameful thing. Uh, They made tremendous strides, and now that we're waking up, it's almost like we can't, it's almost like it's too late. I hope it isn't, but I think that's what happens. A A combination of intent and planning and strategy, along with uh, apathy on the part of others. And I think that's the quick answer. Uh, This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.